Welcome to Our Story, the podcast. Every month, Pastor Mark from Harmony Toluca Lake sits down with a guest to discuss their journey of faith from an inclusive, affirming point of view. These personal stories are part of a colorful tapestry of individual life experiences that transcend the boundaries of church by connecting all of us together collectively through faith, hope, and love. This is Our Story. Hey everyone, Pastor Mark here with the Affirming Faith Community of Harmony Toluca Lake. And it is my joy and pleasure, actually an honor, to be able to be in an Our Story conversation with the Reverend Dr. Ed Hansen, who I have known since 1996. And so, Rev. Ed, it is great to see you today. Thank you. It's good to be here with you. <laughs> awesome. So, hey, I got a couple of Let's just say softball questions for you. So here's the first one. What brings you joy in your life? Wow. There's many things. I'm, I'm incredibly blessed, I feel, in my life. But I really find joy in seeing the good things that people do for one another. I live in a neighborhood where just up the street, uh, half a block, is a family with three young children. And I see the father get out there and throw the baseball with his, I don't know, maybe six or seven-year-old son. And then I see them up at the neighborhood park sometimes practicing, throwing the ball back and forth or pitching. And when I see a father loving his family and his children that much to do all of that with them, I think, wow, you know, that is really the way it should be, is people uh, caring for one another, parents loving their kids. And that gives me a great joy when I mm. see that happening. Nice, nice. So the uh, second question I've got, because I know how much you love to travel. Yes. And so I want you to uh, just, just one. Now, this is going to be tough. Give me what you would uh, sort of consider to be your most memorable trip that you've taken thus far. Um, wow, yeah. I think the trip to uh, Patagonia in uh, South America, way at the southern end of South America was an incredible trip. Uh, the scenery was amazing uh, with the, um, the mountains, the lakes, uh, the ice flows, being at sort of the near the bottom of the world, not quite to Antarctica, but close. It was uh, a place that I really uh, celebrate that I got to see that, that beauty that's there. So that was um, probably one of the most memorable of those trips. Yeah, it almost seems like it's, it's breathtaking whenever you think that, wow, God helped create this, right? Yeah, yeah, right. There's some mountain features there uh, in those mountains down there in Patagonia that you just can't believe that a mountain would be shaped like that. If you've ever seen pictures uh, of these particular mountains, it just looks like, how can that be? The different layers of color from really dark and then a light layer of color and then dark again and an odd shape that sticks up by, I mean, it was just, uh, well, anyway, I hadn't seen anything like it anywhere else. So that was a feature that I particularly wanted to see because I'd seen pictures. I thought, is that real? And then I saw it and I, wow, it's, it's amazing. And, of course, traveling with the people on a trip like that is also, since uh, we went on a tour with others, it was uh, just a rich experience to have that happen. Right. Well, I guess that also makes it 
even uh, more enriching is when you have a, a trip like that that you can share with others. In, indeed, and, and of course we're guided by a person who is from Chile, uh, lives there in the Patagonia area, that's his home, and uh, so knowledgeable and very informative and very able to help guide us and all of those on tour with us uh, to really enjoy what we were seeing. Yeah, I, I had a similar experience when I went to Peru. And, yes. you know, it's just one of those life-changing, transformative kind of moments in your life where it's just like, and you, yeah. you can almost sense memory yourself back to it. Yes. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, well, I love talking about how God has uh, created some magnificent and uh, beautiful things in our lives and in this world. So when you think of the divine creator who has created all of us, mm -hmm. right, as beloved children and as beloved right. creatures, right. Uh, what picture comes to mind when you think of God? Hmm. Wow. You know, that's a tough one because it's been evolving in my mm -hmm. life from childhood days of, you know, just seeing pictures of the Good Shepherd and, and imagining somehow that that represents God to uh, Star Trek and Star Wars and, and uh, an unimaginable universe uh -huh. that uh, our galaxy is located in to uh, how, do I, how do I picture God now? And, and the images of, of spirit, of wind, of the symbols that we use for this uh, power that is still so not in the shape of a human, mm -hmm. but has been so much uh, a part of my life. So I, I, I talk with God, but to try to imagine God, it's like walking in the redwood forest and the amazing trees around me and the ferns and the moss covering the ground and the quiet and stillness and the beauty and the awesomeness of that place. And it's, it's like feeling somehow a part of all of this and feeling that somehow God has um, brought all of this, called this forth, brought it into being. And I don't know how to really picture this reality except to sense that just like the, the seed grows in the soil and comes and bursts forth, and what's the energy that's inviting that life to, to come forth? Like the sunshine, like the starlight, like the wind blowing, like, I don't know. I, I can't describe <laughs> God, you know, except just be in awe. Right. And I love that. It's, I think sometimes, though, too, people want to have an easy go-to to picture God because they want God uh, to be almost in their own image. Sure. Right? Yeah. Human, a human form. Right. Uh, and, and I hate to say a male definition, right? Yeah. But, but that's not what the Bible tells us, is it? No, no. Um, uh, and yet I sometimes feel like I meet the presence of God in another person from their love and compassion and kindness or from the words that they share. Uh, it's like an encounter with God sometimes in relationship to another human being. But yeah, God is so much more. Mm -hmm. and, and so I just try to be content with, well, I don't understand, I can't grasp. 
any more than I can really get a sense of, of our own solar system and galaxy and the billions of galaxies that are out there in the universe, I try to reassure myself, it's okay, I'm just a, one little human being here and I can't conceive of all of this, but I give thanks. I give thanks for the wonder and beauty of it all. Right. I, I look at God uh, in so many different ways, right? Even a flower. Yes. I mean, because a, a flower is part of creation, God, of creation of, and of God, right? Yeah. yeah. But I, I sense now, even in my own journey, uh, that it's more of an energy force mm -hmm. that takes on various aspects of life and even beyond life. But I love what you're sharing, too, because sometimes we can... Uh, find the presence of God in another individual in a moment, hmm. in a conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like uh, what I was sharing with you uh, before we sat down for this, where I have the Fight Stigma uh, t-shirt, and I was wearing the Fight Stigma t-shirt, and it evoked a conversation with three different people in three different occasions on an afternoon, right? That's right. Uh, and to me, that was God was in that moment. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So when we talk about love uh, and affirming love, mm -hmm. uh, can you think of anyone in your past who provided that for you, that source of love that really just, you know, they embodied that for you? There are, are many, thankfully. I, I have been so blessed. Probably more in my, say, in my, I would go back to childhood and, and think of the Presbyterian minister that had performed the wedding for my parents. Uh, he was a bachelor, and he adopted our family as his own. And when I come, came into the world a few years later, he was just a part of our family, and he was my Uncle Bob. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's the one who, in my childhood, had expressed to me that he hoped either I or, or one of my brothers would become a minister. And he was very caring and giving to our family uh, during some pretty tough times. The 1940s, you know, the war was going on, things were scarce, and uh, he would help us. So I, I think I, I would have to go back there, but there was also a United Methodist minister colleague, Hilka Green, uh, who's passed away a number of years ago, but Hilka was a mentor and so encouraging and affirming of me uh, when I was an associate at First United Methodist Church of San Diego. And Hilka had been there on the staff and he just, um, he was so reassuring and, and encouraging and comforting and uh, just letting me be a vulnerable unsure of my own self sometimes, human being, while being there to say, hey, it's all right, you're doing well, uh, and to offer guidance here and there. So I give thanks for him as well. And, and of course, many, many others that played an important role in my life. Yeah. Uh, so as we talk about the individuals who have impacted you and influenced you with love, so you were beautifully created and just one facet mm -hmm. that uh, you are a gay male, you identify as a gay male. Yes. And so, um, but it's also had its challenges. Yes. Right. And so I'd love for you to describe how that 
understanding and experience has shaped your faith journey? Yeah, that's, that's a very important and big question in, in my life because the reality of, of realizing that I'm a gay man was a huge adjustment in my life. It is not something that you just sort of roll into and, and everything's okay. It's first of all like, wow, I, you know, I don't know what to do with this. And it, it took a time to really begin to say, yeah, this is who I am and this is an important reality of my life. And in my journey with God to say, okay, God, this is me. What am I supposed to do with the fact that I'm a gay man? How can I utilize this reality in a way that is going to be of service in this world to help this world be a better place? So it's, it's really helped shape who I am as a pastor, the ministry that I've had, my work with Strength for the Journey Retreat for people living with HIV and AIDS for over 30 years was very much a part of that ministry that I felt called to because I was gay. And uh, my relationship with the participants was made all the more important and uh, compassionate and understanding and affirming because I'm gay and most of those at the retreat were also gay or lesbian. So it was, uh, that reality was uh, finally an important gift for me in terms of what I felt called to do and be in ministry. And so coming to claim this as a gift has been um, an important part, I think, of my spiritual journey as a gay man to uh, not um, think that I was a mistake, but rather that I was given a gift at being who I am and that God has a purpose for me to use that gift in some way to show love and care uh, for other people. So that's been a lot that has shaped my journey. I came to realize, I think, that there's a lot of people that still assume that being gay is like a choice. Like you could either be gay or you could not be gay and that's just your decision that you're making. And there's that misconception. I, I came to believe that God really enjoys diversity. When one looks at all the, the wonder of creation, the varieties of things throughout the world from what's in the sea to what's on the land growing and the flowers and the weeds and the trees and the, of all the different kinds of things that there are. And then you look at the human family and all the diversity of peoples of different races and sizes and shapes that clearly were not all the same and that there's a, there's a benefit to that. We bring different kinds of gifts because of our diversity. And these different gifts that we have benefit the whole human family and all creation when we cooperate. But unfortunately, there's people that are afraid of this diversity, that don't understand that this is a gift and are, and are afraid that somehow it's a threat. And because of that, people uh, are violent with one another and hurt one another and condemn and judge in negative ways and hurtful ways. When instead we might come to these differences and say, what an opportunity to discover new things and to learn and to be broadened and 
our understanding of creation and of the world and and to delight in this diversity that God has created and brought forth on planet Earth. And who knows what's out there in the universe beyond. And can we approach all of this as, as something that we can value and learn from and see how we complement one another because of who we are? So it's troubling that, that, for example, parents could look at their child who says, Dad and Mom, I think I'm gay, I think I'm lesbian, I think I'm trans. And the parents say, no, you're not and you can't be, you know, and, and there's not love and understanding. Instead of saying, tell me about what you're feeling and thinking, you know, and help me understand. I love you, uh, which would be such a, a supportive kind of response. There's a, a judgment that you can't be different in this way. You can't be your own unique self. And that's a, that's a tragedy, you know. So I've hoped that my discovering that I'm gay and being open about being gay has just been helpful for people to recognize that, yeah, we need to be more welcoming and embracing of this diversity of the human family. And I, I feel that strongly because of who I am. Well, and I thank God for who you are. Yeah. And, I, and I really appreciate you bringing up uh, that this is a gift Indeed. It is not a mistake right. that, uh, that being gay, trans, bi, uh, lesbian, whatever it is, uh, as you're identifying, is, uh, it's not a burden. Right. Uh, but how often, though, does society, as we, we understand and know, uh, they don't want you to be different. Right. They have an a adverse reaction toward anything that's otherness. Yes. Right. They're and afraid. They're afraid, and, and it's so much easier just to conform. Yeah. Just if you fit it into a box, everything's going to be great and cool, and that's fine. But when you minute you say, oh, well, I think I'm gay, then, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like you just threw, threw everything in a whirlwind, yeah. and, and nobody knows how to deal with it. Yeah, right. That there, there certainly are challenges of being different, yes. being, being trans or gay or lesbian or bi or whatever, that there are challenges because of all those negative attitudes. And so you live in this wonderment of who do I tell, who is safe to share with, where do I find a safe place to be that's supportive and welcoming. Anyway, so that's, that's a good thing when the church, like this one, is saying to people, you're welcome here, and you are a beloved child of God, and we celebrate the gifts of who you are and what you bring to us. I think that is, that is helping to uh, overcome some of the apprehension and fear that people live with. So it's, um, it's an important thing that I think we need to bring through the life of a, of a loving community led by the Spirit of God. Absolutely. It just sort of blows my mind in seeing the latest stats on, I believe it's somewhere around 78,000 individuals who are homeless in Los Angeles County. But what is the stats of that 78,000 who are LGBTQ youth yeah. who have been tossed out of their homes right. because they admitted or shared with loved ones? Right. Right. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It, it is. This, this idea that somehow your child is making a choice that way, that they, they don't have to be that way. It's sort of like a rebellion. I mean, that's, 
so nonsensical. But we can also blame the church for this. <laughs> oh, we certainly can. Right. We can oh. blame the church for this and because the Bible has been used as a weapon. That's right. And so, I, I, again, uh, the other things I appreciate about you, Rev Ed, is, is that you, just like I, uh, we uh, share a course with others about unclobber, taking, right. taking the scripture and showing this is not what you've been taught. Right. Let's, let's reshape this in the way that God wants it right. told. Absolutely, yes. The scripture passages, when you look at them and understand what's really there and the history of how they've come into be, well, it makes me angry sometimes to see how translations have been so affected by the attitudes of the translators and, of course, their own perceptions of what they think and then how that has ended up coming into the scripture that people think is quote, the word of God and without error, which is so tragic because of the harm that it does. The word homosexual was not in the English translation of the Bible until 1946. The word homosexual didn't exist in biblical times. There was no equivalent word for it. It doesn't appear in the Bible, but translators introduced that word into the English translation from some obscure Greek word that was for something else. Uh, it, it is... Um, well, and, then, and also the translators also had an agenda. Oh, yeah, that's, right. that's the problem, that right. they, they do have agendas so that out of their own biases and, as well, and, and what they happen to think is good for society or whatever. It is um, a tragedy. Right. Well, it was on the heels of World War II. Yeah. And suddenly it's like, oh, we've got to have more babies. And so it started influencing this whole thing. And then, uh, and again, uh, you and I have discussed this before. I think it's right around 1952 when homosexuality was uh, uh, termed as versus a behavior was a mental disorder, which yes. then just threw everything into. Uh, right. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's sad that uh, this has happened. And, and you're right. The, the church, using the Bible as it has, the, and the Bible translations, and then trying and lifting out certain things mm -hmm. out of context, uh, has taught things that are so hurtful and destructive in our society. And that's, that's been a part of my ministry, has been trying to counter that negative stuff that's been so hurtful in our society. Well, and I, uh, I again, appreciate you so much because in your ministry, you've had an effect on me. I have not gone to seminary, uh, but I am an assigned lay pastor here at Harmony. But it's because of you, you know, you caused me to think through ministry and, and becoming a pastor, and but also just seeing you with the LGBTQ community and and us doing deep dives into pride parades and, and like strength for the journey. So I, I thank you for that gift that you've given to me because I've been able to also live into your legacy to move forward here with Harmony Toluca Lake. It's very gratifying for me, and I'm delighted that you're doing this ministry because you do a good job. Oh, thanks. So I, I want to take another step here because we both know, well, I'm a general conference delegate, and we both know what's going on in the United Methodist denomination, all because 
of a, an, again, an agenda-driven moment in 1972, but the LGBTQ issue uh, uh, here with the United Methodist denomination, and we've now come to a head. Looks like we may be, we may be dealing with this next year and, and hopefully going to get it once handled once and for all, right? I hope. Yes. So in talking about everything that we've discussed thus far, what is your hope for the United Methodist Church? Because we know uh, 20%, Roughly 20% uh, of the congregations within the denomination have disaffiliated because of the issue and anticipating what uh, may be passed or approved. But what is your hope as we move into general conference? And, and it also, I'm interested because you're really good at reconciliation and helping people reconcile. So how can we as a faith community within the entire church reconcile and, and have moments of reconciliation? Because there needs to be reconciliation that happens, right? Yes. The key to reconciliation, of course, comes in conversations of sharing and listening. Back in 2010, I organized a Telling Our Stories program for our own annual conference where I invited LGBTQ people uh, and their family members to share their stories to the annual conference here in Southern California, Hawaii region of our denomination. And out of those telling of their stories, I think a lot of hearts were opened and people began to put a human face to a, a topic that they hadn't really reflected on very deeply. Well, I think in our church today going forward that having conversations with people, talking with openly LGBTQ people, hearing their stories and the stories of family members, loved ones, and for us who are LGBTQ people are like me, to listen to where people are coming from for whom this is a scary barrier uh, in their lives, that they just can't handle it uh, because they have their story too that's influenced their perspective. So I think reconciliation will come when we sit down with one another and really listen to each other's stories with that openness, love, and mutual respect. I think this needs to happen also with our various uh, ethnic groups uh, in the church. It's not just the LGBTQ people, but uh, in our own area here, there's a lot of people from Hispanic, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Pacific Islanders. They all have their stories to share. The, they're immigrant peoples, many of them. They've had real hardship. They come from their own cultures. For us to hear their stories, as well as for them to hear ours, uh, you know, this is the way that we bring reconciliation. I think not throwing barbs at each other, but really trying to understand. And of course, then I think there's some, we could study the book of uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians together, and maybe out of that have some reflections that would be really valuable too, because in the, his letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul shares some important insights into what it means to live by the Spirit, and that there is neither male nor female, nor Jew nor Greek, you know, but we are all one in Christ, that there's things that we could do like that together uh, if we have an open heart and we're willing to love and respect one another, I think that could bring 
of reconciliation in the church. Amen. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to deal with, but also be willing to deal with embedded theology. Yeah. Because people don't realize how they have actually been impacted, even just from infancy, childhood. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That would be a part of the story that a person tells. Like when I was in Sunday school or the the youth group that I was in or the, what the preacher was saying when I was going to church, telling those stories about what, what we've grown up with, what was it like in the community where we grew up and the culture and values that we were experiencing from our own environment that we were living in uh, within the church and within the community that we're a part. Uh, I've never lived in the South, but the stories I hear suggest that the culture of the South is very different from out here in California. Oh, yes. So you, know, well, <laughs> so you would know. So, you know, I, I would need to sit down with somebody who's grown up in that Southern culture and really listen to them and, and then and ask them or invite them to listen to me and to share our stories if we're going to be really truly reconciled and, and value and honor one another. Right. Yes. Yeah, church hurt is real. There are just so many individuals who have been wounded by the church, and it just takes a lot for them to even come back through the doors. Absolutely. So it's incumbent upon us to always be open with individuals, but be open in a way of saying, I'm, I'm inviting you in to be with, not to lord it over you, right. and not to tell you. Right. It's so heartbreaking. I know you've gone through this in ministry when you were a senior pastor, but it's like here I have had uh, individuals where I said, would you like to serve communion? And just by asking the question, the person breaks down in tears. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, uh, I remember the first time that happened to me, and I'm like, I, at first I was like, <laughs> I was thinking, have I just offended somebody, right? Uh-huh. But then when I engaged in the conversation just to listen it was the first time they had been asked as an openly LGBTQ person because they had been told, they one, they weren't worthy, worthy. Yeah. right? And two, they only had one place to be in church, and that was basically the back pew, uh-huh. to not serve, to not do anything. And, <laughs> but, but if you change your ways... We were told to be invi- invisible. You know, don't let people know who you are. Um, you know, and as long as you don't make a scene and you're not obvious, yeah, you can be here. Um, I mean, that was the kind of message that the more open churches gave. You know, and then, of course, there were the churches that were just outright, I'm sorry, you can't be here, you can't mm-hmm. participate, you can't teach Sunday school, you can't be a church leader, you know, all of those kinds of messages that were so hurtful. Well, I find that today. Yeah, I mean, this double speak—it's almost as though I'm, uh, as a church, uh, because we know uh, several where it's they're not willing to put a statement out on their website or in print, and uh, but they do say they're welcoming. Uh-huh. But then when you get in, then you just start discovering well, welcoming is not necessarily affirming. Right. Well, my hope is that in open and affirming churches that we recognize our LGBTQ members as well as our straight members, recognize all of of what they bring. We celebrate their anniversaries. We 
just they're reading scripture, they're assisting with communion, they're participating in the life of the church, they're helping with Sunday school or in the nursery or whatever, that they're another beloved member of the congregation. And we are willing to celebrate their lives among us as the gifts that they are. So anyway, I, that's what my hope is. Amen. So I got a couple more questions. Okay. But these are these are going to be more of a well, I, I was going to say softball questions because we're coming to a close. But this <laughs> the first question may not be so much. Okay. If you had an opportunity to ask God any question and you were going to get an immediate answer from God, what would that question be? Oh, <laughs> is there God? Is there is there hope for humanity? for us to learn to really truly love one another, help each other, cooperate together, uh, create kind of the community that is called for by your son Jesus. Are we really gonna get there? Are we, is it really gonna happen? Because sometimes it just, I mean, here we are in this day and age still seeing wars and all of the violence and hurt and all of that, so. I think that's what I think I would ask God. So, yes, I, that is absolutely, because when we talk about faith, hope, and love, uh -huh. right, and I'm glad you brought in some Jesus because you know how much I love me some Jesus, uh -huh. right, but that's so important for us to live into what Jesus taught as the way, right? Yes. And, and so I, I, I believe we do, you and I and so many others have that hope, but yeah, I would love to be able to get that answer. When, God? When, <laughs> right, right. right? I'd like that now, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm a little impatient, God. We've been putting up with this long enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree, yeah. Uh, so, all right. Again, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to be with us here at Harmony Toluca Lake and share in our story conversation, which is your story as well as ours. Right. Uh, you are part of the faith community. Uh, we are the second campus of Hollywood United Methodist Church, but we are one church, right? Two Absolutely, locations. yes. Uh, well, thank you, Mark, for this time that we could share. It's been a joy, and I think this congregation is blessed by your pastoral ministry here. And uh, goodbye to all of our friends who have tuned in to hear this conversation. And so uh, I hope everyone has enjoyed this conversation that I've been able to have with uh, the Reverend Dr. Ed Hansen. And we look forward to continuing to have more conversations to share with you uh, in the coming weeks and months ahead. Uh, and we close this wishing you the peace of Christ uh, and, and much love and peace. Thanks for listening to Our Story, the podcast with your host, Pastor Mark Stevenson. This month's guest was the Reverend Dr. Ed Hansen, and this episode was recorded and mixed by me, Donna Miller. Production support by Jace Lucas. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Our Story, the podcast, so you never miss a new episode. You're listening to the Harmony Podcast Network, sponsored in part by Hollywood United Methodist Church. Find us on Instagram at Harmony underscore TLC and on Facebook at Harmony TL. Tune in next month for a conversation with Joy Min. Until then, as Pastor Mark likes to say, peace.